Hi, I'm Susan Foch, and when I was 18 years old, I launched a national nonprofit organization out of my freshman college dorm room. Now, with almost a decade of experience under my belt, I'm here to teach you my tried and true tips and tricks for running your own nonprofit or social enterprise and how to build it from the ground up. You're listening to this podcast because you're ready to make a difference in this world. I see you, I hear you, and I'm ready to help you. Now let's make an impact together. You're listening to the Make an Impact Podcast, episode 45, and this week I am a little fired up. (laughs) I'm so excited for today's episode. I've been thinking and planning and outlining for this episode because this is a topic that I feel very passionate about, very heated about, and have researched quite extensively over the last couple of years. But first, let me start out today by saying I am very, very, very excited to introduce a new segment to the show. It will be at the end of the episode, uh, basically when I'm done like ranting and rampaging (laughs) about everything, or at the end of a great guest interview that we're having. Um, It's going to be the nonprofit feature of the week, and there are lots of different ways that if you want your nonprofit shouted out in here, um, always send me a DM either at Susan Foch or at Make an Impact Podcast on Instagram, or you can always email me at susan at operationalalone.net and shout out that you have a nonprofit you want to feature. All I really need is uh, the name, the mission, if you have a certain demographic or target area that you serve for. Um, So maybe you're a Wisconsin local, maybe you're national, maybe you're international, Uh, whatever it is, let me know. Let me know why your nonprofit uh, should have a shout out on the show and where people can be directed to. So stay tuned for that at the end. I'm very excited about this new segment and just to give some more nonprofits some really, really fun love. All right, here we go. So here's the thing, you guys. One question that drives me nuts And it's a question that's driven me nuts for years. And I'm going to be the first one to shout out and explain. Um, I have not always been great at this question. I did what I think is a pretty big nonprofit uh, fail and quite the contradiction to what I'm about to say in the early years of running Operation Alone and and being in the nonprofit sector uh, that I really have changed my tune on. As I've just, again, learned more, seen a lot more of the, you know, the inaccuracies the instability, and just uh, a lot of the ways that this question really, really holds back the nonprofit sector. And it's the question, how much of my donation goes to your mission versus overhead? And let me tell you why that question is just a bunch of hot garbage. It's garbage. I hate that question. We need to stop asking it. And more importantly, we need to train donors to stop asking that. Because here's the thing. I understand when people ask the question, and I think, first of all, I'm just going to say this. I'm going to stereotype a little bit. I'm going to typecast a little bit. I think this is a pretty, I think this is an old nonprofit question. I think, in general, a lot of older populations ask this question. I don't have research on that. That's just a little bit from my experience, what I think, um, this is a slight, yeah, people of an older generation, an older demographic love asking about nonprofit overhead. And here's the reason. They ask it for the wrong reasons, right? They ask it because they think that the percentage amount that you are about to say for overhead, number one, 
aligns with your ethics. They think that if they know the amount that you spend on overhead is equivalent to how ethical of an organization you run. And that couldn't be further from the truth because it's one number that has a large story, explains a lot, it encompasses a lot of our nonprofit, of how we act, of how we we perform, of how we handle all of these things. And number two, there's not really an answer that ever makes anyone happy. Because there's also not a magical number that like if you stay above or below a certain line that all of a sudden now you're Mother Teresa or now you're like the greedy devil. There's no good number for that. Nonprofits have will list all different stats, metrics, and numbers for this. And everyone always has their freaking two cents about it. But there's no good number that would make anyone happy. I did a poll on Instagram a couple of months ago about how much people thought, you know, should go to overhead, how much should go to salaries. And I had people from both the nonprofit side who obviously advocated for a much higher number that was like in the 20 to 30% should be allocated to overhead. And I had donors, people who did not have any nonprofit experience saying, "Mm, 2.5 2.5 to 5% sounds about right. And then I had other organizations that typed in saying that they spent between 60 and 70% on what was technically considered overhead. That made people really outraged, but because what they didn't understand as an organization, and if you just got heated because I said an organization spent 70% of their money on overhead, hear me out on this. Overhead does include salaries. It also includes rents, utilities, Uh, And basically the other bills you have to pay to run it as a business, right? Your website, insurance, uh, accountants, to go down the list, all of that fun stuff. Here's the thing. That organization that spent 70% on overhead, it was a therapy organization. The overhead, the salaries for the therapist were the service. So it was a completely unfair way (laughs) to literally sit there and label someone overhead when your literal job as a therapist like is the output of the service of the mission like that was the whole point but if you said to a donor well we spend 70 percent on overhead and you you capped it off right there you did not explain what it is you do you just got vilified you got crucified people got so angry when I shared that there was one stat that spent that much money but I was like no that makes sense for that organization when you have an advocacy uh, um, maybe even a, a political organization or a political affiliation like if it was a lobbyist or something and they were working for um, you know it's like literally your time is the service because you are a therapist, you are a lobbyist, you are an advocate, you are something like the overhead is really should be the only cost. Salaries should really be the only cost for that on top of, again, the other things you need to run a freaking business. So this is where that number gets really hard. People love hyping and like getting angry at and talking about overhead when in reality this is not an ugly number and also it's not a number that tells you how ethical an organization is we have to stop that little bit right there it's not that it's ethical or unethical you can't tell everything about an organization when you ask for how much they spend on overhead okay you just can't you can ask about you know and here's the thing I would rather encourage to and, and really train donors to ask an organization like, you know, how ethically are you spending your money? How ethically are you spending your money? How much do you, you know, like, is there any area of waste? 
of maybe a little exorbitance that could be done a little less. And when I say exorbitance, I mean, nonprofits just like by default, I think are very scrappy, very like thrifty people. Trust me when I say I don't see any nonprofit that's like serving up some like lobster lunches just because it's a Wednesday, um, unless you were like the two days of the Sweetums Foundation in Parks and Rec. Anybody? Anybody get that reference? Please make me happy and say that you did. It's just not like nonprofits naturally don't act like that because here's the thing as nonprofit people, we want more money to go to the services. We want it to make change and have, you know, great impact for our missions. Like we're not monsters. We want that too. That's why most of us are also fundraisers on top of, you know, all the other things and roles and hats that we have to wear in our nonprofit. It's not that we're all sitting there, you know, being greedy monsters or wasting money unethically. Again, unless you like literally are the Sweetums Foundation from Parks and Rec, (laughs) uh, which was like, which made it a lovely point, right? But what bugs me about this is that overhead, when you ask a nonprofit about overhead, and when you ask about salaries, number one, you are negating, you're trying to water down an entire nonprofit into one metric. And it just doesn't work. You can't ask them how much they spend on salaries and know everything and be able to pass a good enough judgment on a nonprofit off of this one metric. That's crazy. I mean, you might be able to, you know, I think about it in the for-profit sector. If that's like asking, you know, to see a, a stock pattern and where a company sits on one day in particular and not taking any other factors into consideration, what's happening in the world? Was it a pandemic and everything had to dip a little bit of March of 2020? Um, you know, what are the, all the outside factors if you're looking maybe specifically at a certain stock or an ETF that was healthcare, that was IT, that was financial, that was energy. There are so many things that go into that number that explains it that you can't tell exactly the impact of what those those companies and those organizations do. And you surely cannot tell the future of that organization based on that one number. You can't. It's one of the reasons why the stock market is so risky because you past performance is never an indication of future performance. Anyway, my whole point is just to say you cannot look at one individual number and know everything about an organization, a company, a person, and know the whole story. If you want to take it down to a really personal level, you can't ask someone, you know, you can't look at people by just their age and think that that one number is the full indication of who that person is or their weight or their uh, their IQ. I mean, I'm just trying to think of numeric values that we assign to people. I'm just the whole point to that is like we can't look at one number and know everything about that human being. We can't look at one stock number and know everything about that company. And you can't look at the overhead number and know everything about that nonprofit. You just can't. So I hate that question. Now, number two, I also hate it because when people ask about overhead, and they really want to ask about salaries. And again, it, people are never going to be happy about anything, right? They just aren't. And they're never going to be happy with the number that you gave them. <laughs> Whatever the percentage is, they're just not going to be happy about it. I mean, people are going to think, I think in general, people are always going to think it's like too high. Some people might be like, that's too low. How do you function like that? And then maybe they don't trust you because they don't trust the number that you gave them. Maybe they think it's too low. So now they don't think that you're 
now you're an ethical organization to give to because now they feel lied to. So now you broke donor trust and it's just like, oh, it's just a whole thing. You can never really give anyone one number and make them happy. But I'm, and I'm getting off on a side tangent. Here's the thing. When you're asked, when someone asks about how much you put into salaries for a nonprofit, here's, and then they judge it and then they get mad at it. If you, as the potential donor, ask the nonprofit professional, the fundraiser, the CEO, the whatever, what the salaries are, and you think that they are too high, which spoiler alert, no matter what number they say, they think it's too high. You are literally saying to that fundraiser, to that nonprofit professional's face, hey, I think that you get paid too much money to try to save the world. I think that you should be trying to save the world and serve this mission that I want to give money to, that I believe in so much. I want to give you my money so that you can go turn around and solve this problem. But I don't think that you are worth that money. The cause is worth that money, but you as my bridge, my liaison to actually make the damn thing happen, whether again, whether you're saving puppies, you're, you know, helping veterans like with Operation Alone, if you're helping uh, kids through the Make-A-Wish Foundation, you're looking at the person who's actually physically doing the work and you're saying, I don't think that you are worth your salary. I don't think that you are worthy enough to pay your rents or pay your mortgage and feed your family. And also, not just do the basic things. Go out, have a vacation. Be able to go to Target instead of Walmart if that's your jam. Get this slightly nicer uh, coat for the winter. You know, I, whatever it is. I'm just saying, like, you're looking at that. I want you to think about if you're the kind of person who's asking about you know, overhead and salaries, like you are literally insulting the nonprofit professional that you are talking to because you're saying, I trust you enough to complete this mission, but I don't think that you should be able to have pay for your house and feed your family and go on your vacation once a year. That's what you're saying. And I want you to think about how insulting that is to that nonprofit professional. Because here's the thing, you wouldn't say that to anyone else, would you? You wouldn't say that to other people in the for-profit industry who are bringing just as much value as that person is to their job. You wouldn't say, hey, Google exec, <laughs> I don't, you know, I, I don't think that I really trust you in making this product or, or you know, this, having the service doing this thing. I can't even think of a good example of what this would be at Google, but I hope you get the picture. Um... When you tell a nonprofit professional that you think their salaries are too high, I just want you to think about how insulting that is that you're saying, I don't think that you are worthy of the money to make the world a better place. I want you to make the world a better place, but I don't want you to pay your own rent and take care of your family on that. Take care of yourself. Maybe you don't have a family. Maybe it's you and your, and your dog or your twin rescue kittens like me. I don't know. And then the other thing too, I want you to think of, take out the, take out the insulting part, right? Maybe you're not as an emotional person as me. Take out the insulting part of it. Let's break it down a different way to that Google exec, that Amazon exec, that Apple exec. Here's the thing. All employees of anywhere, any company, any organization, if it's, if it's McDonald's, if it's Starbucks, uh, you know, to the sales rep, to the TV host, to the newscaster, to 
whatever, all employees are an investment. That sounds calculated, that sounds cold, right? But people are an investment. It's not just, you know, certain workspaces or computers or or whatever are the investments. Your people are the investments. And here's the thing, as a business owner, you are paying a human being a salary. You are putting out 40, 50, 60, whatever thousand dollars a year into a person because you're investing in that person as your employee and you expect a return on said investment, right? That's ROI. That's how investments work. You expect a return on that investment. I think the easiest way to do this is um, salespeople who work on commission. Heck, let's, okay, let's go with a server or a bartender, right, at a restaurant. And think about your good old hometown local restaurant. And I'm going to paint that picture because that was me for like a decade, right? The cute pizza joint that's like, you know, around the corner. It's like nestled across the street from the state park. So cute. Love it. We love pizza. Great. Now you go out to eat. Now in theory, okay, I was hired by that restaurant. And granted, a server's wage is, well, at least in the state of Wisconsin, is $2.33 an hour because you typically live on tips. But either way, like that restaurant employed me so that I could be one of the faces of that restaurant, that I could serve their customers, that I could take their delicious food and, and do service with a smile because we're in the Midwest. We always love a good service with a smile and maybe a, oh, geez, how are ya? And to turn that around. So then you have happy customers and then you have customers, maybe they're so happy, they're so relaxed, they get that dessert or they actually order the bottle of wine and then they go home and then they post about it on Instagram. They tell it to their friends they're like, oh my God, I had the most amazing pizza and the most amazing service. I love this restaurant. This is so cool. We're definitely going to go back. Now this is like our new normal date night. Now we also told like 12 of our friends because it's all the investment. Now the restaurant grows because now more people are coming back because they had great service on top of the great food. There's a great product and a great service. Hopefully also as like a server or a bartender that also is reflected in your tips if you're super stellar. Don't get me started on the way people tip. <laughs> it's so strange. Um, it's, you know, obviously be tipping. Be, tip, tip your people well, okay? If there's any type of service industry out there, if it's a barista, a bartender, uh, uh, whatever it is, tip your people well. My goodness gracious. It's how we live. But here's the thing. All employees are an investment to the employer. You, at whatever company you're currently working at, your bosses are looking at you as an investment and they put a certain number amount of money out to you in the form of your salary and your benefits and your PTO and your whatever. And they expect a certain number of return for the company. Now in a perfect world or a perfect company, you would get such a great return for the company that would be recognized. Then you get a bonus. You get your little Christmas bonus. Maybe, maybe you work in sales. Maybe you get commission. But hopefully also by when your one-year review comes around and it's time for you to get a big old raise, hopefully it's a big fat raise because the company's like, wow, what a return on investment we are getting on you. We now have made more money throughout the year. We now have the ability to pay you more money because you poured more money into us. Same thing happens with nonprofits. If you have a CEO that's taken a big old salary and you think that's not ethical and you think, oh, no, 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 more needs to be going to cause. 
I want you to ask for those executives, and it's usually CEOs are the ones that are under fire, and you think that they're taking too much money in their salary, in their payment, I want you to actually ask about it from an ROI perspective. And this is an interesting little test to do with certain nonprofits. Like you have to look and really ask. And if you want to dig deep into this for certain nonprofits, please be my guest because all of this financial information, salaries, all of it is available online. It is public information because they are a tax exempt organization, which by the way, I think that we should like change the fact that we do that. That's a whole separate podcast. We can talk about it, but you look at that from the perspective of If a certain CEO, and I'm just going to round this up to make this really easy for myself, is taking a $500,000 salary, a half a million dollars, I want you to go back and look at what ROI that person did for the organization. Are they really growing the organization that much that they can justify that kind of salary for themselves? Is the organization growing? Are they getting more fundraising done? Are they getting higher donations in? Do they have better donor relations? Are they putting more programs out? Is the whole organization working better and more smoothly and doing all the things and and wrapping it all together? Is the organization growing and impacting more people and bringing in more money that in proportion to the ROI, that salary makes sense? Then my God, take your half a million dollar salary. If, you're per, if you are outputting the right ROI to justify that higher salary, be my guest. Here's what I don't like. And here's where you can also look at how much has that organization stayed in the red with that CEO taking a half a million dollars? You can easily look at those financial statements. And if a CEO is still cutting themselves a $500,000 salary every year, but the, suff- but the, the services are suffering, the people impacted are down. The number of scholarships are getting less. The number of puppies in the, the Humane Society are less and less, and you have to turn more away. Well, there's your answer. Now it's an unethical salary because now you're actually a drain on the investment. You are not returning out any investment. And this can take years to truly evaluate. I mean, one year is never, I think, a good enough or easy enough, like, you know, way to really take those things out. I mean, and if that's a couple of years, you got to let that kind of see out. And let, I mean, sometimes CEOs come in guns ablaze and they have that great first year because they were like, I can identify all these pain points. I know what we need to do. Let's turn it around. You can turn around a ship a lot better. You can also sink a ship really fast. You can turn a ship around really fast. You can sink a ship really fast. But sometimes it's that small incremental change. But here's the thing. If you're going to pay that CEO a $500,000 salary and they are putting out a $5 million return, honestly, then you're probably maybe paying them like a little less. I don't know. Can you imagine telling the CEO of Apple, be like, you know what? You only turned out like $70 billion this year. Mm, I think you should only have like a $50,000 salary because that's just like not fair. What? We would never say that to Apple. We would never say that to Sarah Blakely. We wouldn't think of it. We know that you're strong and empowered. We know that you want to make an incredible impact on this world. And thankfully, there's an online boutique for you to represent that message every day. The Ona Boutique has two lines of t-shirts and engraved gold bar necklaces 
to remind you that you're capable of incredible impact on this world. And the proceeds benefit Operation Not Alone, a Wisconsin-based nonprofit supporting our troops, veterans, and mental health initiatives all across the country. Head to theownaboutique.com to shop their collections and get free shipping with the code IMPACT. That's theonaboutique.com and use code IMPACT. We would not look at any other big wig CEO in the for-profit sector who was turning out millions of dollars in extra profit in their return on investment and say, mm, I don't think that you're worth that much money. <laughs> I think you should pay yourself a smaller salary because the company's doing well, but you're also kind of a selfish monster. So like maybe pay yourself less. We wouldn't do that, you guys. We just wouldn't. It's a backwards way of looking at things. And here's the thing. You want nonprofit peoples to basically like be martyrs like and, and do all this very, very hard work for free. It's one of the reasons why the nonprofit sector is struggling for talent and for people because we drive people out of our sector who are worth a ton of money for that exact thought process. It doesn't make sense. There's so many people and honest to God, if we're being super honest with ourselves, myself included, I have been at that crux of taking a nonprofit job I felt very passionate about, but was going to pay me such utter absolute like garbage that I couldn't live on, particularly in like the big city that it required me to live in. I couldn't justify it. My heart was there. My passion was there, but there was no way that I was going to be able to find rent in a brand new big city um, and, and, and live by myself and be okay and pay back my student loans and, and start all the things. It just wouldn't have happened. So I had to go take a job in the for-profit sector that paid me a lot more money. <laughs> that I still moved to a new city, but I could afford getting a one-bedroom apartment by myself and, and live and thrive a little bit differently. And that just, it is what it is. That's what I had to do. That's what most people do. You drive out these talented people in the nonprofit sector because you're not willing to pay them like they're for-profit friends. Now we have less talent. Now we have less dedicated people. Now people only maybe do it on the side. They just do some side volunteering. So you're getting maybe, if you're lucky, a couple of hours a week out of them. And it's their tired time. It's their exhausted time because they already spent 40 plus hours at the paying bills job. And maybe they got families. Maybe they got partners. Maybe they got puppies. You got know, houses to upkeep, okay? Like, run your own house, having your own apartment, it ain't easy. Trash accumulates so easy. It's creepy as a one person. You're like, how do I make this much dust and garbage? I don't understand. It's hard. But if we would just pay people what they're worth, we would get more talent back into the sector. And a lot of that is relies on us stopping asking the question. How much goes to overhead and salaries? Stop asking it. It's keeping the nonprofit sector playing very, very low. We drive out talent, calls everything, all of our ethics into question. Here are the questions I would ask instead. How ethically are you spending your money? Do you know if you do an audit on the amount of waste in the organization, can you do anything to cut that back? And more importantly, you as the potential donor, I would rather you get friendly with that organization. Learn the people that are there. Learn the people that they're serving. 
Really make friends with the fundraisers, with the execs. Hang out with the CEO. If you want to donate to Operation Alone, come chat with me. I would love that. Get to know us for who we are. Trust us in our organizations. Trust the mission that we are that we are seeing out. Trust that we're getting stuff done, that we're growing. And once you have that relationship with your nonprofit, trust that they are taking the money into and they are putting it into great work for the mission that you so clearly care about. Ask them about their mission. Ask them about their dreams, about where they're going. Ask them about their, their, their strategic five-year plan. How do they plan on growing and impacting more people and saving more lives and saving more animals and saving the environment? And if you believe them, if you are on board with them, if you want to play ball and you're a team member with them, give them your donation. Stop asking how much goes to overhead. Believe in your nonprofits. Believe in your people. And as long as you can believe and understand that they are spending their money ethically, that there is no waste, and that they are putting every dollar into good use both for the mission and for the people who are seeing out the mission? Those are the questions you should be asking. Those are the questions that will help move the nonprofit sector forward. Stop asking about overhead. And when in doubt, remember my oh-so-new favorite analogy, saying that you want your donation to go to the mission but not overhead is like saying, yeah, I'll buy the parts to the car, but I'm not going to pay for the labor for someone to put the car together. The end result, you'll have the parts of the car, but it's just going to be a hot mess. Don't do that to our nonprofits. Let them thrive. I could literally rant about this subject all day, every day, in case you couldn't tell. <laughs> That this has been a very long solo episode, basically just me renting, venting about overhead. Um, if you want to talk to me about this, if you want to challenge me on it, if you agree with me on it, please, by all means, hit me up on Instagram, either at Susan Foch or at Make an Impact Podcast. I would love to talk more about this topic with you guys. Um, I think that it's a really important and necessary conversation to, again, keep growing the sector. Anyway, if you've made it this far in the episode, thank you for venting with me. Thank you for hearing me out. I'm going to take this moment to do a really hot, quick plug uh, that if you also like this episode, please leave it, leave me a rating and a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. It is so helpful. It is so instrumental. I cannot explain it enough. Uh, we want to talk about payment and salaries. That's the best way you can pay me for this free content to listen to me then 24-7. I love it. I love it. You guys love it. Uh, please, please, please do that for me. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it and how much the show literally needs it. And now let's go to our newest segment of the week. It is the nonprofit spotlight of the week. And I'm so freaking excited, you guys. I thought about who we wanted to feature, who we want to talk about. And I really do want your input. I want people on social media, uh, email me, connect with me do anything that you want to just hit me up and tell me that you have a nonprofit that you think wants to be featured, whether you work for it or not. Maybe you just really love that certain nonprofit. Like maybe you really are a huge fan of Make-A-Wish, the Red Cross, the uh, Boys and Girls Club, whatever it is. Um, hit me up. Let me know. We will feature it on the podcast. I'm so excited. So 
Okay, now did I think about making Operation Not Alone the first nonprofit feature of the week? Maybe, but that also seemed hella tacky. So instead, <laughs> I want to highlight another nonprofit organization that is so near and dear to my heart that I have been associated with since like, oh my God, 11 years now? Yeah, 2010 is when I first discovered this organization. It is so magical. It is called the Wisconsin Leadership Seminars. This is a very cool, very unique organization. And honestly, it still does so much for me to this day. Uh, people on the Operation Alone team, shout out Nathan, I got from Wills. I still have some really dear friends. It was the most unique experience. So the Wisconsin Leadership Seminars, as you can imagine, are the, their service area is just to people in Wisconsin. And to that, it's actually designated towards high school sophomores. It's a very unique organization. And basically, they take one high school sophomore from every state in the state. No, from every school in the state. Um, so only one student gets to go every year. Um, and basically, you go over the summer for this one weekend like conference of every super hella cool, like ambitious, hardworking, um, just like real, like up and coming, like future impact maker, change maker in their school. Um, and they all get to go to this one conference and you just meet like all these other people that basically, if you were like the super weird, ambitious kid who liked to wear blazers to school, like me, what? I don't know. I got made fun of a lot. It's fine. Um, and you just didn't think that other people cared as much as you or loved as much as you or wanted to change the world as much as you, enter Wills. And you just met so many cool, amazing people. It was the coolest weekend. So much energy, so little sleep. Uh, those are also some very energetic <laughs> human beings. And it's just such a life-changing uh, weekend for all of these kids, all of these up-and-coming student leaders. And just being able to really hone their, their leadership and their skills and their talents and meet other like-minded people that is usually really hard to find in high school. And um, honestly, after that, it's just like a weekend, but it really changes so much of your life because I'm literally talking about it right now and I'm 26 years old and I went when I was, what did that make me? 16, 15. Um, it was really the coolest weekend. And then once you're done with that, now, obviously you are an alumni of the organization. The alumni association is huge. There are some people who literally went to their like seminar weekends in like the nineties and still come back every year and volunteer. Like I'm still Facebook and Instagram friends with so many people. It is like, it's just the coolest thing. You just, for, I think for the first time, if you're in high school, like it's the opportunity for you to meet so many cool people, uh, who are like-minded like you. And I think it, it really changed so much for me. It changes so much for the kids who get to go. This is a, also a 100% like volunteer run organization. Um, it's because it's a very part-time thing. Um, it's very seasonal for these students, uh, which is very cool. Their president is Sarah Perkins Simmons. She is literally one of the coolest people I think I've ever met in my entire life. <laughs> um, she is just a powerhouse, caring, amazing woman who also works for the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Um, and they, yeah, they just, they have it completely funded. All their speakers always come for free. And I've seen so many amazing speakers there. Um, obviously, I think all of our favorite was like Paul Wesselman. What a cool dude. Um, he's the Ripples of Kindness guy. If you ever find him on social, just look up Ripples of Kindness. It's a very cool organization. If you are in high school, particularly if you are a freshman or a sophomore and you're like, holy bananas, 
first of all, wait, I'm sorry, I'm going to back up. If you are in high school and you're listening to this podcast, um, hi, welcome. That is so stinking cool that you literally want to change the world and found this podcast um, so early in your life that you want to go do that. I commend you and I want to give you a virtual hug. Um, but if you are and you would love to go to the Wisconsin Leadership Seminars, again, it is the coolest weekend of any, I think, high school student's life, especially if you are ambitious, um, super cool leader, you need to go to this seminar. Or if you are a parent, it's probably a little bit more likely for this podcast. Um, and you have a have a kid who's just like this driven, um, awesome kiddo who wants to go have this amazing experience, definitely go to their website, which is wills, W-I-L-S dot U-S, um, or look them up on Instagram, on Facebook. I'm going to tag everyone in the in the show notes for this. Um, and definitely reach out to get them signed up. So only one student per school in the state of Wisconsin gets to go every year. It's a huge honor to go. It's the coolest opportunity. So um, I think I just gushed about them for like five straight minutes. But the Wisconsin Leadership Seminar, better known as Will's, amazing, very unique organization for up-and-coming student leaders in high school. This is very specific to Wisconsin. I know that Illinois also has a sister program. So if you're in either of those two states, absolutely reach out, figure out how you can go to the seminar. Or if you have a kid or maybe you're a teacher um, and you really know someone who should go and your school is not typically on the registry for this, get them registered. And again, just go to wills.us or find them on Instagram or Facebook at Wisconsin Leadership Seminars. And that's it. That was our first nonprofit feature of the week, which I think is super cool. I hope you guys maybe learned something new about a new organization um, that you hadn't previously. Again, one very near and dear to my heart. I love them to pieces. Um, and that's everything. That's all of it, friends. Uh, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Make an Impact podcast. Please leave a rating, a review, uh, share it on Instagram, make your Instagram story, tell people about this episode and the fact that it's like a super cool resource and that we talk about controversial things like stop asking about nonprofit overhead and salaries because it's very insulting and it's suffocating the sector. Um, <laughs> and anyway, with that said, please um, have a great rest of your week and keep on making an impact. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Make an Impact podcast. If you enjoyed yourself, would you do a little rate, review, subscribe dance? And if you really enjoyed yourself, would you share this on social media so someone else could catch the impact bug? Until next time, friend, I can't wait to see what kind of impact you make on your world.